Getting sober requires a lot more than mind over matter, a lot more than willpower. It's about leveraging the support around you. People in recovery typically need a mix of medical help, emotional support, and changes in lifestyle to manage their addiction, not just mental determination. As both a therapist and someone embracing the recovery lifestyle, there's one tool I always recommend to people needing extra accountability, Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breath analyzer system designed to help you get and stay sober. And here's why I love it. You'll test the same day every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping you rebuild trust and preventing relapse. Accountability is a part of that, and it's something to really be embraced. Devices have built-in facial recognition, so your support circle knows you're testing, and tamper-resistant sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system, so your sobriety is never questioned. So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Addicted Mind podcast. My name is Dwayne Osterland, and I'm your host, and we are on to this next bonus episode. Today, my guest is Ted Perkins. He is a former Universal Pictures and Warner Brothers studio executive, university lecturer, public speaker, Hollywood producer, and virtual reality entrepreneur and has successfully worked in film and television series as a screenwriter and has watched 100 movies in 100 days to beat his alcohol addiction and then wrote an awesome book. It's eye-opening, entertaining, inspirational, and frequently hilarious behind-the-scenes explorations of the best and worst movies ever made about addiction and recovery called Addicted in Film. Based on the success of the book, he launched Recovery Movie Meetups, a mutual support meeting format that lets addiction treatment providers leverage the power of filmed entertainment to help people heal. So in this episode, Ted is going to talk a little bit about his own recovery journey and how films were a part of that for him and his healing and how he's bringing that forward to others with Recovery Movie Meetups. And the exciting thing is, is that on May 14th, They are going to have the online film premiere, a first-of-its-kind national simulcast event to celebrate the powerful and continued commitment to the recovery community. And they're going to be premiering the movie Clean Slate. And if you remember, I interviewed Jared Callahan, the director of that movie, on episode 214. It's such a great film. I definitely encourage everybody to tune into this. And what's so exciting is that on this simulcast, they're going to be bringing people together to be able to watch this movie together and talk about this movie and have that recovery experience all online. So definitely check that out. May 14th, you can go to Recovery Movie Meetups. 
www.thinkbigbook.com and it's right there. So encourage everybody to check it out. I think it's such an awesome idea. So let's jump into this episode. All right, everyone, welcome to The Addicted Mind. My guest today, Ted Perkins. Ted, let's just jump in because we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, which is movies and Uh all your work in that and some of the upcoming events that you are doing. So let's just jump in and introduce yourself and, and we'll just get going. Well, thanks, Dwayne. I'm I'm Ted Perkins. I live in Los Angeles. I've been here for 20-something odd years. I grew up overseas. I had a, my father was in the Foreign Service. So I had like a really weird background. A lot of parties, a lot of cocktails, a lot of schmoozing, a lot of politics. And then that transferred into my work in the film industry. So I worked for Universal and Warner Brothers and traveled the world and went to the Cannes Film Festival and partied and had a wonderful life and, and, and really excelled and did really, really well. And I got into screenwriting and have sold a ton of scripts, done very well, produced movies, uh, produced movies in China, all over the world, worked uh, on a lot of really cool projects. And along the way, I I just had this nagging sort of affinity for drinking with friends. And then that got out a little bit out of control. But I fixed that and been in recovery successfully for several years now. And, and I decided that I really loved the recovery community and I love the topic of addiction generally. And I loved helping right. people. So I, I started doing smart recovery meetings and I start facilitating smart recovery meetings. So we've got this vibrant community here in Los Angeles. And I just decided, well, I don't know if it's giving back to, to the addiction because they never really necessarily gave me anything. But, but I, I, do <laughs> right. think it's a, I do think it's an incredibly worthy cause. And I want to do everything I, help, uh, I can to help people get out of the rut that I found myself in because I know what it's like. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about just the rut and and what that was like for you and and where you kind of found yourself. Because like you said, you know, here you're successful working in the movie industry, which, you know, has glamour and wonderful things about it. And yet there's this rut that doesn't feel very good. Well, you know, it's it's like anything. And I write about this in, in the book that I wrote, uh, Addicted in Film, where I cover A Star is Born and I cover the movie you know, Crazy Heart or the film Gia, where we're really it's, you know, fame and fortune or success or anything in life that doesn't necessarily make you immune from other issues like addiction or anxiety or depression or, you know, feelings of, of not wor- being worthy or feelings of feeling creatively stifled or controlled by other people or or inadequate. I mean, and that that touches across every vertical of, of life. And so it, in my particular case, I, I was doing fine. Everything was great. But, you know, a lot of times uh, when you're a writer, you have periods when you're when you're not working, when you don't you've turned in a script and you're waiting for people to give you notes and you've got time. And so one of the ways to procrastinate instead of starting a new project is to sort of is maybe just drink and hang out. And for me, it, it just became something where I was doing day drinking. And that was kind of weird. And I thought, well, that's, that's not cool. And, you know, I have a family with kids and I was totally inconsistent with my values, what I claimed to be, and then what I was. And so I I wanted to to fix that. And so I I took the steps to do that. That's awesome. I I was thinking as, as we were talking and we were talking earlier about movies and story. And as I was saying earlier, you know, my first work was in the film industry and my first degree is in film and I loved movies and I love story and I mm-hmm. love what it tells us about our humanity. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering how these connected together for you, you know, your own struggle with 
alcohol and, and addiction and then movie making and storytelling and the human condition in that? Oh, well, that's a great question. And, you know, here's the thing. And I used to teach screenwriting around the world and film finance. And, and in my own work, you know, I realized that, you know, stories in films always follow a very familiar pattern. They're all about transformation. There's a character or characters who are living in imbalance in life. There's a problem that needs to be solved. You know, maybe it's somebody's going to, like, if it's James Bond, there's somebody has, like, a nuclear weapon and he has to defuse it. Uh, if it's a Marvel movie, it's something else. Or if it's something very right. small, it's like a young woman who's looking for love and she needs to find the man of her dreams or not, or the woman of her dreams, whatever it is. But but those stories of transformation are universal and they touch people emotionally, very powerfully. And so the story of somebody overcoming addiction is completely parallel to all the heroic stories that are being told in films. And so, you know, I see parallels in the sense of like, you know, take a typical story that everybody knows, like Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker's on a boring planet. He's living in imbalance. He gets, he needs to change his life. He takes on a mentor and then he goes up against Darth Vader, who's really his own urges. Right. And he, and he blows up the Death Star, which is his addiction. And so those, you know, you, most people think that, okay, you know, recovery is, you know, recovery, but recovery is sort of like a heroic quest in many regards. And, and while it might seem mundane on some levels, on others, if you see it as a heroic quest and probably one of the most important conversion experiences that you'll have in your life, because it will ultimately probably save your life, then you see it in a different context. And so by drawing the parallels between powerful movies that had been made about this transformation, Hollywood films about addiction and recovery, I saw that there were really great ways for people to look at those films and study them and identify with the characters and identify with those journeys and those epic quests in ways that could help people uh, recover successfully. And, and that's exactly, thankfully, that's exactly what's been happening as we roll out these meetings across the country in the Recovery Movie Meetups program. Right. And and I was thinking as you were talking, because one of my favorite movies about that is, you know, Tolkien's work and The Lord of the Rings and Frodo yes. and Samwise and and how they move through that journey and paralleling that story to things like addiction or mental health issues or or other things of strife. They they can help us really understand ourselves, these stories. Yeah. And I agree. And, and also, I think, um, you know, addiction is something that's a very subjective mental experience. It's not something that is real until people act on impulses. So, you know, our, our, our addiction really is a mind phenomenon. And so when, when people actually can see a movie and see a character that reflects what they do or it emulates what their subjective experience of addiction is, it's a very powerful moment of identification in an objective experience. And so what they can learn in the objective experience of talking about movies about addiction recovery can then be internalized as an aha moment in their subjective understanding of their own addiction and what they should do about it. And that guides better decision-making, hopefully, because it, it leads to really, really important self-reevaluation. A lot of people don't really understand 
the importance that visual information has on people. Decision-making is much more guided by emotion than it is reason. If people yeah. were doing what was reasonable, they wouldn't be drug addicts and they wouldn't be having alcohol problems. There wouldn't be a drug problem if people did rational things because it's irrational to do this. But, but we don't act rationally. We act emotionally. We act subjectively based on our own biases, our own desires, our own past traumas, our own genetics. There's a whole host of factors. And so when we can break apart those things and see versions of ourselves in films and visual entertainment, and people also like to emulate. We're always watching other people. We're imitating other people. We want to be like other people. We're obsessed with what other people are doing. So when you go to a 12-step meeting or a smart recovery meeting, nothing against those meetings. They're great, but they're very two-dimensional. They're not visual. They're talk-based. There's no emotional really release. There's no way to identify visually with the experience of addiction as it played out. And so when you introduce a movie or a section of a movie into one of these types of meetings, into a recovery movie meetup format meeting, people find that they open up. The shares are richer. People are, are, are more inclined to talk because then they have something to relate to and it starts them imagining and talking. And so we've observed through recovery movie meetups that we have richer shares, more self-reevaluation, better results in terms of better decision-making. And then when people actually get a copy of the workbook or buy a copy of the workbook and, and take it home with them, there's questionnaires that they could fill out that sort of becomes their own journaling exercises to, to talk and think about these movies as they relate to their own recovery. And it becomes like a learning experience that they can do on their own outside of the meetings as well. Yeah. So you, you took all this experience that you had. I mean, I, I think like being a, a screenwriter, you really have to dive in to understand the, the human condition, right? Because that's what makes movies powerful when we can relate to them and we, we can, we, we, we go, I, I understand that character, even though I can see that it's irrational that they're doing, I get yeah. it because that's what I do. So you wrote the book Addicted in Film, and you also have a, a workbook for that so that people can can do mm -hmm. this work. And then also doing the recovery movie meetups mm -hmm. so people can work on this. Before we go into that, I, I really want to get into understanding this connection of seeing ourselves mm -hmm. in characters and how that can help us gain awareness of maybe the issue we're facing or how we can, I guess, join with those characters, why we're, we're watching mm -hmm. them. I know when I look at like, you know, I was talking about the movie of, you know, the Lord of the Rings and mm -hmm. Tolkien's work. One of my favorites is really relating to the character Frodo, who's so at in a moment just wants to give up, you know, he, he, mm -hmm. he, he wants to let go. And I'm just wondering how, your work and doing this work and writing and screenwriting pull these things together? Well, you know, one of the things that you do um, as a writer, there, there's two things that are happening in any good screenplay. I write comedy, so sometimes the rules are a little bit fungible. But really what you're ultimately doing is you're writing a story of heroism, but the hero has a problem, an internal problem. And a lot of films don't really explore you know, the internal workings of people's motivations. They like, all right, James Bond has to save the world. And only in the last recent couple of movies have they explored sort of his inner, his inner thoughts, his inner desires, his own fallibility. You know, up to then he was just right. sort of like a, a cookie cutter character who's invincible 
And if he's had any pain or loss in his past, you wouldn't know about it. And it doesn't really matter because he's got a, you know, he's got a kill Goldfinger. So, but now, you know, people really respond more and they empathize with characters who are heroic, who have internal conflicts that they could relate to. So when you're writing a script or a series, you're really tracking not just the hero overcoming the bad guys or the villains, but you're also tracking how the hero overcomes themselves, how they overcome their own biases, their own shortcomings, their own insecurities, their own inauthenticity. And then in the process of overcoming those things, that really is the key to ultimately, quote, saving the galaxy. Because really, before you can help anyone, you have to help yourself. And that's what yeah. the central premise of addiction really is, is and recovery really is, is that yeah, you could do the work of recovery all day long, but until you internally understand that you need to undergo a drastic conversion in the way you see your life, the future, what your values are and what you want for your life and how you want to be in the world, until you remedy that and make a decision to go forward concomitantly with all the risks that that entails, which means changing your life, changing your friends, changing where you go out, realizing that you can't use or drink probably ever again. That's a huge lifestyle change. Those are kind of epic decisions that are driven both on an internal level with the hero, but also on an external level. And so everything in films is like that. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Can you give examples of maybe movies we know that mm-hmm. personify that, that, that big shift, like that change, that transformation that you talk about? Oh, absolutely. And one of the best examples and and probably one of the most successful films ever made about addiction and recovery with Sandra Bullock is 28 Days. And, you know, everybody mentions this. There's a chapter about it in the book. I sort of like it's like a Disney version of recovery of going to rehab. You know, it's all very nice. You know, it's like um, luxury rehab, which is fine. And there are luxury rehabs, but also Clean and Sober is another movie that that. It's not so nice. But the point is that like in 28 Days or in Clean and Sober, in both cases, the central characters come into rehab, but they come in and they just want to check a box. They want to get in, get out, get on with their lives. And they think that they don't have a problem. They, quote, don't belong there. Quote, I'm not like you people. And this is what happens in both of those films. And this is what happens in early recovery for people who are in rehab at the very beginning. There's a large percentage of people who have either been forced to go there or are there because like, yeah, I need to go, or they're court mandated or whatever it is. And in, and in both cases of both films, they've been court mandated to go. And so they're there and they're sort of checking the box and they're there, but they're not. And in Sandra Bullock's case, like she's, she gets in touch with her, with her boyfriend and he slips her a, a bottle of Vicodin. And, and in Michael Keaton's case, he's always calling his dealer and he's trying to get his mom to loan him some money so I can go out and score some more Coke, even though he's quote in recovery or in rehab. And so it really, this sort of emulates a, a familiar pattern that we see in recovery, which is that, and I've been through this personally, where you're sort of half in, half out. 
But when it yeah. comes to recovery, it's sort of like what was said in Star Wars, you know, do or do not. There is no try. And so people that are like kind of checking the box, but not quite there, like in these two movies, they're really inauthentic. And so the, the journey of the story is for them to go through hell so they can finally see that they actually do need help, that they want to get better, that they actually are addicted. And then in the process of acknowledging that and owning up to that, then they are under, they have their own personal agency and responsibility to solve that problem. But once that decision is made, then that opens up the possibility of a happy ending, which is a life outside of rehab that's sober and productive and everybody benefits. And the universe has changed as a whole. And that's a heroic ending, a happy ending that everybody in recovery hopes for themselves. Right. And they can see that in those characters. They can relate to them and say, you know what, I can do this. I can pull on that, that piece. I can, I can almost leverage that character's journey for my own to mm -hmm. be able to make these really hard decisions in our life or these challenging, overwhelming places we, we find ourselves as, as we walk through, you know, our, our life. Mm -hmm. I'm also wondering about like, when did you kind of say, I'm going to put these together. I'm going to put this screenwriting together with recovery. I'm going to write this book. I'm going to help people use these films to better their own life, to to find hope, to find meaning, to find purpose. <laughs> yeah. Well, I decided that I just wanted to write like a film review for, I guess it was Smart Recovery or something. And I chose a movie called Another Round, which is a, a Danish movie which won the Academy Award for Best Foreign Film last year. Not this last year, but the year before. And I thought it was like a really interesting film because it really sort of was a visual representation, like a film representation of a lot of the questions and issues that people deal with in typical smart recovery meetings and also 12-step meetings as well, but, but typical mutual support meetings. And I thought this is, you know, a movie that explores so many great things that are consistent with what we do in these meetings that I wanted to write how these two things are conflated. And in so doing, I found sort of like my voice and because I've been giving recovery, uh, I've been, I've been giving sort of uh, smart recovery meetings for many years and been going for decades. Literally. And, and I've been to hundreds, if not thousands of meetings, AA meetings, smart recovery meetings, Dharma meetings, whatever. Um, and, and I've read pretty much every book about recovery that's ever been written, literally. And I ran out of books. In fact, that's why I started watching movies. And I watched 100 movies in 100 days because I thought that's a great challenge. Let's see what I can learn from it. And in the process of, of going through that challenge, I thought there's so many great things in movies that could be translated into a book about how movies can help in addiction recovery. Because my premise is that you could read a lot of books about recovery. They're very technical, and yes, they give you inspiration. But you could read 100 books about it without getting the aha moment that you could get yeah. when you see Sandra Bullock acting just like you when you were like trying to get out on that tree to score that those two pills of Vicodin, and then you fall down and break your leg. It's like, that's me. I used to do shit like that. And so, you know, that's a realization that can really ultimately come very powerfully from a film as opposed to reading every book about it. Because every book says, yeah, addiction, bad, addiction, bad. It's like smacking you every meeting that you go to. Addiction is bad. Addiction is bad. Smack, repeat, smack, repeat. And sometimes you just never get it because maybe the format is wrong. And like you were saying earlier, we're emotional animals. 
Mm-hmm. We're emotional and emotion drives our decision making. And, and in ways I think we can tap into that emotion and harness it when we can see it in a, in a film and we can put the pieces together. Yeah. And also I think one of the limitations sometimes, not all the times, but one of the limitations of, of 12 step meetings I found by going to hundreds of them was that if you're looking around at other people in the room, a lot of the people there are in trouble. They're not feeling great. They're upset. They're, they don't want to be there. They are languishing, you know, over and over again, you know, they would do a share and somebody would raise their hand and like, yeah, I'm, I'm holding on. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to make it another week. And for me, I just thought in five years from now, are the people going to be saying the same thing? They're just barely clinging to sobriety. Like what that's, I don't think that this is progress. You know, I don't see how this is helpful. In fact, in many ways, we know from studies that when people look around in these meetings and they see the depression and the, and, and some of the issues of other people, they're not motivated to change and be better than those people. They're demotivated because they think, God, I'm going to just wind up just like those people. And that, that becomes right. a trigger to go back to using and drinking. And so that is, and that's one of the problems. And I'm not saying in every case and, and smart recovery as well. It's like, it's very analytical. It's very fact-based, science-based. You're going through exercises, you're doing self-empowerment, et cetera. But it doesn't touch on the fact that you don't see examples of huge success. Like very rarely does somebody come to a meeting and say, I've been using smart recovery and I just ran for president and I won, you know, this PTA award and I just got this huge job and it's all because of smart recovery and you could do it too. Sometimes that happens, but very rarely. But when you watch a movie where somebody triumphs, that's an easy layup and, and it's, yeah. and it's relatable. And, and so, you know, movies, even though they're fictions, they give us relatable instances of success. And, and, and when they give us relatable instances of failure, like in the case of leaving Las Vegas, where, you know, Nicholas Cage decides that he's just going to drink himself to death. And there it is. At least we can learn from that as well, because it's like, yes, success is not guaranteed. Some of us may never make it to the finish line, but the rest of us are going to try because we don't want to end up like that. And we can do better. And we don't want to make those decisions. Because there's, you know, there's a little bit of Nicolas Cage in all of us in recovery. And that's important to, to see. And when you see it on screen and then you talk about it in a group setting afterwards, that's really powerful. To really be able to process that experience and I guess get in touch with yourself as you watch that character. And then it gives you a, an ability or a format to express it. To, to have a context to like, you know, when I was watching the movie and I saw the scene, I was able to relate to that. I could understand that character. I could understand mm-hmm. what they were going through. And I, you know, I, I mean, storytelling is such a deep part of the human experience. It's just so much a part about it. You know, we need to tell our story and we need to hear other people's story. I, I think it's the way we communicate our wisdom. I, I totally agree. I, I think you're right. And, you know, in, in every person who has a problem with addiction, there is the thing that they think about themselves. There is what the world thinks of them. But there's the secret hidden inner world of understanding what they want and how far down the rabbit hole they're willing to go, whether that's based on self-hatred or inadequacy or anxiety or whatever. And so everybody in recovery 
has a part of themselves, a little kernel of untruth and inauthenticity that will lead them at some point to relapse and go back to that drinking behavior. They know that they're capable of doing it. And so, but we hold on because we do the work of recovery and over time we overcome that part of ourselves and it slowly fades away as a memory. But when we see that represented in films, when we see what other people are willing to do to go to rock bottom and we see the effect that it has on other people, that's why I talk about movies like Four Good Days and Beautiful Boy and Ben is Back. You know, when you see the effect of your addiction on other people, that has to have an effect on you. So, yes, I mean, there are meetings at rehab facilities where they bring the family in and like they have some therapy with the family. But it's, you know, it's all very it's yes, you can have moments which are great, but imagine if you have the time to in a group setting to see the effect of your addiction on other people in a film setting where it's not you doing it, but you're seeing somebody else screw up their family and have inflicting pain. That sort of makes you feel less guilty about what you've done, but it still allows you to connect and understand that you're doing the same thing. And so when you get confronted in a meeting at, in rehab with your family who says, you screwed me over and you stole from me and you're an addict and whatever, that's difficult. That's, that's a horrendous thing to go through, but it's probably very necessary. And eventually in the real world, that will take place. But if you can softly see it in the film world, then you're able to sort of therapeutically relate to that. And it might make you more empathetic to the needs and wants and the frustrations and resentments of your family members, and then give you tools to more adequately and honestly address their concerns. Because there are a lot of great scenes. Remember, films are very dramatic and they involve conflict between individuals. That's what movies are. So when you see the conflict between an addicted person and their family play out in a film, that gives you, and you see the emotional, the emotional effect of that and the collateral damage that it's causing, that, that gives you tools to more closely evaluate yourself, but then also to more directly engage empathetically in the real world with your own family because of so something you've already screened in a film because yeah, the situation yeah. is probably identical. Yeah. It's like, instead of trying to go right into the front door and sometimes we have the front door of ourselves so defended because it's painful, yeah. you know, we're not going to open that door that right. sometimes it sounds like what you're saying is like movies kind of allow us to go in the side door, maybe uh, yeah. a little softer, maybe not as defended. And so we can see the parts of ourselves that, yes. yeah, in a, in a gentler way that allow us to digest that and, and maybe even take responsibility for it and mm -hmm. be empathetic to the people we've impacted in our life and heal ourselves. And, and I, yeah, yeah. I think, I, I think movies can really do that. Also, and there's another part of this, which is really all about, you know, theory of mind and et cetera. And, and there's mirror neurons in your brain that imitate. And we are a, a species that imitates. So when you go and human brains are always modeling the future, we are a prediction machine. That's our advantage over other animals is that we can predict the future. And not only are we predicting the future constantly, we are super predicting it. We are like going through scenario A, scenario B. We're visualizing it. We're creating mental models of the future of like how things are going to go down when I have to tell my wife that I'm an alcoholic or an addict and whatever, and I need her to forgive me or whatever it is. So you go through your mind, all the mental models of how you think it's going to go down. And then when you actually get into that, if it doesn't go according to plan, A, you get angry, you get resentful, you have a fight, you have stress, you have urges. And then ultimately, and that's really what 
what films are. And that's what conflict is in movies. It's like you have an expectation, you have a result, there's a mismatch, chaos ensues. So if you can do mental modeling based on successful representations of mental models that have been provided to you by a movie, and you see successful resolutions to problems and conflicts in the form of a film, that actually gives you a mental model template for how you can deal with issues in your own life in the future. Uh, and, and quite frankly, you know, the amount of audiovisual material that people consume, it's, most people don't realize how much of their daily interactions in the real world are based on the templates that they've learned from films and TV shows. The way they yeah. react, what they say, how they feel is guided in large part by what they've observed. Yeah, absolutely. And we can use that in a positive way to to help us give uh, give us direction or a, a way to conceptualize. I, I Yeah, I totally agree with that. It, it's cool. Films are a lot more than they seem. <laughs> That's yeah. the, the point I'm trying to make is that there's a lot there if you look for it. Yeah, absolutely. So you have the the book Addicted in Film with its workbook that you can you can go through these movies and and ask questions mm -hmm. and really mm -hmm. explore it. And you also have recovery movie meetups, which yeah. let's talk about that specifically because I, I want to get to that because I I know you have one coming up soon. So I want to talk about that as well and, and give that to the listeners. Thank you, Dwayne. Now, the thing that's coming up is an event that Recovery Movie Meetups is hosting. But basically, the Recovery Movie Meetups workbook is, is a workbook that you could purchase online on Amazon, but I also sell it on our website, the Recovery Movie Meetups website is up. And what, what we found is we started doing recovery movie meetups in recovery community centers and residential treatment facilities and IOPs, and it's catching on. So we're starting meetings literally all over the country and hopefully uh, very soon in the UK, Australia. And I'm in the process of translating the film into Spanish so we can access the Hispanic American community in Mexico as well. I speak Spanish. I'm, I actually used to be a Spanish English translator, but um, in a long time ago. But, but armed with the workbook, therapists are now in a position to start totally new mutual support meeting formats in their residential or IOP settings and then use the workbook to actually have a very rich two to three hour experience, a therapeutic, clinically validated, peer reviewed, billable to insurance therapeutic intervention with their patients or they call them clients, but their patients, whatever, with fantastic results so far. And so that's rolling out and sort of to also to show, you know, the, the amount of love and commitment that we have for the recovery community, because I know how hard it is to, to do this work, you know, and there's a lot of yeah. turnover in these facilities and, and there's, and the recovery community organizations are like largely nonprofits and their budgets are squeezed. And, and so I just thought it'd be really fun to come together with a, with an event. And so what I'm doing is I'm hosting a screening of the movie Clean Slate, which is, which is, is an awesome film, by the way. It's, and yeah, uh, it's it's a, it's a wonderful documentary about addiction and recovery. It's one of the best that I've ever seen. And the premise is really fantastic. It's, you know, basically two guys in recovery at a treatment facility decide that they want to, one of the things that they want to do to overcome their addictions is to make a movie about their addiction and recovery. So, you know, as if it wasn't stressful enough to be in rehab, now you're making a movie, which is even more stressful, as you know, because you used to work on set. It's just a, yes, it's a, it is it's stressful. waiting to happen, you know? And so we document that in the film. So I put it together. It's, it's going to be a, a live stream. It's on Facebook Live 
YouTube Live and LinkedIn Live. And also it's on every Apple TV, Vizio, you know, whatever streaming device you have. And it's going to go live. We're going to have a brief presentation at the beginning. It's going to be an introduction by Smart Recovery co-founder Tom Horvath and a wonderful psychologist from San Diego, who's my mentor. And then we're going to show the film. And then right afterwards, we're going to have Q&A. And, during, and, and right before, we're going to have check-ins from several facilities around the country who are going to have their cameras on and join the thing and, and wave hello and be like, hey, we're here in Las Vegas. Hello to everybody in the community. So it's going to be like a, a simulcast live stream event. It's sort, think of it like you know a recovery documentary Super Bowl event. I'm really, I'm very excited about it. People have already, we have tons of RSVPs and people are really excited to see the movie. It's on May 14th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Just go to recoverymoviemeetups.com and under events and there it is. It's it's right there. I just think like what you're saying and, and what you're giving back to the community, like you said, being able to create these rich experiences for people to experience transformation. I mean, that's what, you know, recovery is all about. It's about transformation. Mm-hmm. It's about change. It's, it's about doing something different. And mm-hmm. we can do it together. And mm-hmm. we can do it in these creative ways to... Uh, also, like in the stigma of addiction and bring it yeah. out into the open. I, I think it's a it, what great work. <laughs> well, thanks. I think it's, you know, and it's also fun. Like, you know, no, unfortunately, you know, most people think that recovery and rehab and treatment stuff, it's got to be horrible. It's torture. It's, and maybe it is for a lot of people. And sometimes meetings can be repetitive. And sometimes, you know, 90 meetings in 90 days can seem really, you know, tedious, what have you. But, you know, there's nothing in the in the literature that says that recovery meetings or mutual support meetings have to not be fun. Right. And movies, movies make things fun and interesting and also emotional. And I think that people are going to react to that very positively. And and also, I think, you know, there, there really hasn't been a change in the format for for like, you know, smart, smart recovery hasn't changed or essential format for 30 years. Uh, AA has been the same format for 75 years. And so I think the market is ready for a new mutual support meeting format that draws on what people relate to, which is people love movies and television and and they relate to what they see on screen. And it's all around us. We're a visual society. That's awesome, Ted. Um, I, I just I just love that you're doing this. It's it's so exciting. I love movies, too. I'm a, just a big <laughs> movie fan. So I yeah. love digging into it. I love the characters. I I love relating to you know what you're seeing and and all all of what we're talking about so before we wrap this episode up there's usually one question i always like to ask every guest that comes on and if someone is out there and maybe they're struggling maybe they're having a hard time maybe they're not sure and you could tell them one thing you'd want to tell them one message what what would that message be i think the one message i would tell them is to stop believing everything you think and just really sort of take a step back from what your thoughts are and think about what you're thinking and realize that you do not necessarily have to think that you're an addict. You don't necessarily have to think that there's no way out. You don't have to necessarily think that nobody will ever talk to you again. You don't have to think that you're going to go bankrupt, even though you might be going bankrupt, but whatever that is, you know, step back and really analyze your thoughts and the more you sort of dispute your own thoughts, the more it'll influence what you then come to believe about yourself in a more positive context. 
Because, you know, I think most people will understand, and, and I go through this every day. There's what you think at the very beginning of the day. And then you start to think, and some of those thoughts can be very negative. And then something happens, or you think about yourself in a different way, or you reframe the problem. And suddenly it's all rainbows and butterflies and you become productive, happy, and all of your problems magically fade away. But it's not really magic. It's something very elemental about our brains is that we can decide what we think about what we think. And addiction is really, that's the most powerful tool for addiction is don't believe what you're thinking about yourself. It's not true necessarily. Dispute what you yourself believe. And... You can use movies to help mm -hmm. you do that. So, Absolutely. They do, they, movies are the perfect way to distract you from what you're thinking about yourself and see representations of how you wish you thought about yourself. And then, because remember, when you leave a movie and you see hero, you know, heroic ending and everything, everybody's happy and they're cheering and everything. Why are they cheering and happy? Are they, are they happy that this character on 35 millimeter film actually, which is a complete fiction. Are they happy about that thing? That, that, that person doesn't exist. That's a fiction. That's a representation. What they're really ultimately happy about is that they've internalized that heroism and that happy ending, and now it's living through them. That's what they're happy about. That's why movies make billions of dollars a year, because they give us that opportunity for cathartic emulation, for heroic identification, and through, you know, huge and wonderfully positive self-reevaluation, examination, and better decision-making. We come out inspired to do just like them or do better. Well, thank you. Thank you, Ted, so much for coming on to The Addicted Mind. One more time, just give out the, the, the link so everybody has it. Oh, uh, well, thank you, Dwayne. Thanks thanks for, so much for, for coming, uh, for having me on, on the show. Um, yeah, for anybody who wants to come, it's a absolutely 100% free screening of the movie Clean Slate, which is a wonderful film about addiction recovery, a feature film documentary, completely free of charge, May 14th at 7 p.m. Eastern. All the information is on our landing page, which is recoverymoviemeetups.com forward slash events. And you can also look it up um, online. Just Google search Recovery Movie Meetups Clean Slate. I put on all the meta metadata. You can also go to YouTube and look for online premiere Clean Slate. And the tile will be there with the countdown clock. And on May 14th at 7 p.m. Eastern, click on that bad boy and you'll get a free movie. And watch it with friends if you can. That's the, that's the best thing that we could hope for. Watch it on your big screen TV. Make a big bowl of popcorn. You know, it's easy. YouTube plays on any of these devices like, you know, the yeah. Roku or Apple TV or Fire Stick. You know, it's super easy. It's, so, it's a no-brainer to watch the movie with friends. Awesome, Ted. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dwayne. And, and thank you so much for having me. And, and a big shout out to all of your audience. Keep up the great work. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Addicted Mind podcast. As usual, all the links will be in the show notes at theaddictedmind.com. So check it out there. And I hope you check out the online film premiere of Clean Slate. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful day. And I will talk to you on the next episode. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. 
We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there.